0: This podcast is powered by SEM Wealth Management. SEM Wealth Management, where your faith, your values, and your investments align.
1: Great day, everyone. Ed Dudley coming at you again out of Durham, North Carolina. And you know what? We didn't want to bring in Garland today. Um, we didn't want to have two ball heads, so we just decided to stick with one. But I'm blessed to be sitting here looking at the beautiful and an amazing, talented Greer Rubley. How you doing, Greer?
2: I'm doing great, thank you. Especially since uh, I actually had coffee with Garland this morning, and um, you know, I did get to give him a little bit of a hard time since we haven't recorded in a few weeks. And he's been talking about the Eagles for so long. And guess what? Guess who ended the Eagles streak? It they caught it now. <laughs> it up on a on a Monday night. So anyway, um, Carlin, I know you're not here, uh, but I still just wanted that to, to be said on the air.
1: Well, thank you for saying that because his chest was getting a little too puffed up. And we had to bring them down a little bit. They're not going to go anywhere besides, you know, maybe to, to, you know, conference championship, but that's going to be about it. But I digress. So Garland, if you are listening to this, um, when we air it, um, you're in town. You didn't let me know in advance. We'll have something to talk
2: about. Sorry, blew up your spot there.
1: Yeah. So, but I, as usual, I'm excited because we get to talk to some amazing, um, individuals, um, on the platform, a ton of experience and our next guest, ton of experience, um, in the industry, she is a New York Times best-selling author. She was the uh, keynote speaker at the Investment News Women to Watch um, Symposium not too long ago. So let's just bring her on in, Miss Ellen Rogan. How are you today?
3: I am great. I'm so excited to be here with you. We're excited to
1: have you. Thanks for thanks for taking time out of your day to join us and welcome to the journey. And I'm sure that uh, your time in the industry has truly been a journey. That it has. (laughs) has. So I typically love to say, you know, just tell the people that don't know you, who you are, um, what what you're currently doing, um, and just a little bit about your journey and how you got into the financial industry.
3: Yeah, so... um... Maybe I'd start about the journey, and then we can go into what I'm doing currently. Uh, I started my career in public accounting, as boring as that sounds, it was, and uh, couldn't wait to get out of that. It was not the career for me. Thought, oh, I like telling people what to do. I'll be a financial (laughs) advisor, and that's about what I knew about it. So that was quite a long time ago, and uh, luckily, I learned how to do actual really Uh, good financial planning because I happened into the right firm. Uh, I was with them for a few years and then started my own firm and about four years ago sold that so I could be doing more of what I feel like is my work in the world, which is to have a bigger impact on people globally, have a broader conversation about money than I was having as a financial advisor. Yeah.
1: So how did you... So you went. You were a CPA, I take it. You were a CPA, and you said it was boring, which is absolutely funny. Um, if you're a CPA, yeah, most CPAs they're 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 interesting. They're interesting individuals. They're very analytical. My father-in-law's a uh, CPA uh, by trade, and I didn't know it for the longest because he didn't practice in the field. And I used to talk. And I was like, right, he's he's a little different." And then we started talking one day. He said, "Yeah, you know, um, CPA." And I was like, "Oh, that explains a lot." <laughs> so, no, no, not going to CPAs out there. We love you guys, but what made you? You said you, you know, you want to be go to Dollar Financial um, Advisor Trek. How was that for you? You know, tell us about that that journey. And then even what made you go decide? You know, I want to start my own firm as a whole.
3: Yeah. So um, I figured I knew I wanted. I was an auditor with a big accounting firm. Knew that wasn't for me. And figured I would try being an advisor. And if it didn't work, the worst that could happen is I would know how to manage my own personal finances. So uh, I started as what they now call paraplanners, which I always think is a weird title, like part of the planner. But anyway, I was writing financial plans and that felt a lot like accounting. I wanted to be in front of people. And so at the time there weren't it was pre probably RIA only type things. And I went and got licensed and then said, no, I want to see clients. And they're like, no, not yet. I'm like, no, 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 I do. (laughs) And um, so I did that. And I, uh, about I guess four or five years into the practice, there was just some things happening at the firm that I felt like I wasn't so comfortable with. I'm still good friends with the guy that kind of started it. So it wasn't, it ended up being fine, but um, at that point, I had enough business that I could be my own office. And so I did that. And then, you know, I had to buy a computer. That was about it. And rent some shared office space. Um, yeah. And I uh, started my practice really growing it. I They were doing a lot of uh, cold calls at the time. And I was like, oh, that sucks. I do not want to <laughs> do that. And so I got... Good at speaking, and I would grow my business through that. Realized that that um, pretty early in my career that that was in a lot of ways more fun for me than being a financial advisor. But I uh, so I did both for a very long time.
2: I would love to hear how you got into that because, I mean, I've thought about that as well. Like, I kind of like speaking, I kind of like teaching, but. I don't even know where to begin on the spectrum of making myself available to speak. And I, I feel like I am not alone in that, in that, how do you, it's like a chicken and egg situation. Like you have to tell people that you are a speaker and that you're good at speaking and that you would like to speak at events, even though you don't really have any experience really speaking at events and being a speaker. So like, where do you start with that? Yeah.
3: And I would not have known that I would want to do that. I mean, I had like in high school, like a public speaking course, which I'm sure I was terrified at. Um, but I took a class, uh, it was Dale Carnegie, like they had a public speaking class. I still think they teach public speaking, but I don't know. And it was a beautiful way to do it because you stood up each week and they would clap before you started and clap when you were done, whether you were terrible or awesome. And it just gave, it just as a lot of practice. So at the beginning, I would speak anywhere where, um, you know, be, there's all sorts of organizations that are always looking for speakers. So I would okay. speak at um, networking events, at church events, at, I don't know, back then, mm-hmm. and, you know, anywhere. I stopped doing some of that when I was in somebody's basement in an evening, and there was eight people and two of them were talking to each other. I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> this does not feel cool to do that. But, and then I'd offer a free consultation afterwards. Okay. And then I had one of the mutual fund companies brought me in to speak to the wholesalers and they paid me. I'm like, people pay you to do this? (laughs) Like, that is awesome. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was part of it, but it's just getting uh, out there and, and, and doing it. And now in some ways it's easier because we can do it online. Yeah. And uh, so you can get a little bit more practice. Yeah.
1: So let's, let's go back to, you know, your, your time as a financial advisor Um, you've been fortunate enough to have a 20 plus year career um, as an advisor. And what was it like when you first started? Um, Because there weren't a lot of women financial advisors. And then when you throw on top of it, there weren't a lot of women financial advisors that owned their own practice. How was that for you?
3: I always saw that as actually a benefit for me. So, mm-hmm. I never saw it as a hindrance. I'm a glass half full kind of person. It can be somewhat annoying sometimes because I'm mm-hmm. like you know very cheery about things, even when other people aren't, so that can be annoying. But I always saw it as like well if if ninety five percent or ninety percent of the people out there are men, I can be different. Mm-hmm. It's harder for them to do that and uh and I was young when I first started, so someone um. Who didn't have as much experience, but I just kept trying to find like the benefit in that and put my attention on the uniqueness, on that I have um, new thinking about things, and it seemed to help. That's
2: wonderful. I, I, you, you hit on a big point right there, and something that I touch on a lot in this industry is, you know. Yes, I have faced some diversity as a woman, especially as a woman who started out as client service, you know, so I, it's, it was different. I wasn't trying to be a financial advisor, so, um, and I wasn't, there weren't a lot of women financial advisors for me to really even look up to and say, oh, that's what I want to be. You know, like I was looking up to these middle-aged white men that I didn't connect with on a real personal level thinking, well, that's not what I want to be. Um, And so I didn't have a lot of examples. And I just wonder if you had a lot of examples or if you're really just the person that was like, well, I don't want to do it this way. So I'm going to go do it my own way. Or did you have any mentors or anything in the industry that you looked up to that had kind of the same outlook as you did?
3: Um, I Don't I, the one mentor I had um, who has long since passed away, but when I was in um, college, I worked at a brokerage firm during the summers and there was a woman there named Joanne Pekin, who was brilliant and really early in the career. She was a stockbroker and uh, and the way she mentored me was actually in terms of getting some credentials. She said, Ellen, get your CPA. You'll never be sorry. And that was good advice because it was a great credential. I hated that occupation, but I was never sorry I had those three letters after my name. Sure. Um, and I don't, um, I don't even think I saw it at the time. Like I didn't realize, I never saw it as a hindrance. I didn't see it as, a, as something that was keeping me from things. So the fact that I didn't see a lot of women being super successful or top producers Um, I don't think i ever, I don't even think I ever thought about it, Greer, in terms of that. Um, And I spent a lot of the early part of my career doing a lot of personal development, a lot of other types of growth things where they were mostly women. And that I think had a big impact on my success. Um, And what I ended up doing, you know, once I became a tap producer at, and we'd go on these trips and all these things, and I'd look around and 80, 90% of the people there were men. At first I'm like, like blaming something outside. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, why don't we make this different? I happened to be at a broker dealer that was very supportive of women. And we ended up forming a women's initiative to make it different and better so that there's more women uh, tap producers. And I think that that slowly changed. But when you said it was what it was like when I first started, I have to tell you, when I ended, there weren't that many more women. I'm, I'm hopeful now there's more young women coming into the industry. I don't know if they're staying, but um, I didn't really see the needle move
2: on that, which was we bring
3: that up. We bring yeah, that
2: it, up a lot on this podcast. That
1: it's unfortunate. Numbers haven't moved that much.
2: And I yeah. I honestly don't see a lot of women young women coming up into this industry still to this day and i i honestly don't know why that is um and i love the idea of mentorship and i love the idea of creating groups within organizations to kind of foster that um and so but i but i don't know that there are that many right now that people can lean on, or I, I don't know what it is. Do you anybody anybody have any input on that? Why you think that the women just are not locked in this industry? It's
1: it's one. It's not talked about enough. Okay. Um, I, I think we need to start as early as possible at telling our young children that this is an option for you, especially when they start getting to high school. We need to have a lot of the firms and the the um, CFPs going into high school just teaching. And saying, "Look, this is this is possible," and then you get to the colleges and continue to talk in the colleges. Don't be afraid of commission only. Don't let that hinder you from having an amazing career in the in, in the industry. And we talked, the Garland and I have talked about it many times, getting on the campuses of, of HBCUs. You know, we, if, you know, in HBCUs, they spit out a lot of doctors and lawyers and engineers but they're not turning out a lot of financial advisors or individuals that actually come into the space. So, so I I think it's about education and and educating them early about it.
3: And I would add to that. We, I was at some conference once where Gina Davis spoke and she has this organization about getting more women and diverse people like in films, actually. And Mm -hmm. she was saying how, Um, like even in crowd scenes with gathering, it was like mostly men, like she would joke, women don't gather, you know, it didn't make sense. (laughs) But it occurred to me after I heard her speak, if you think about like just in the media, have you ever seen like the working mom financial advisor who's doing great work for her clients in a sitcom? Or in, no, you see them, white men crooks dealing with people's (laughs) money. You don't even see like a guy being an honest financial advisor. Um, and so
2: portable.
3: you know so like if you see it you can be it but where are they in the media ever seeing how what a helping profession this is how there's so much flexibility for women how you can make a ton of money um, and eventually once you build your client base you know I I mean the guys when who were helping me with selling my firm are like Ellen why are you selling your firm you're making a lot of money and you're not working that hard I'm like okay you want to tell my clients that like, <laughs> like It didn't seem like a reason to stay, but, um, you know, it's, it is an amazing profession Mm. for, for people and especially
2: women. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so, go ahead, Greg.
2: I was going to say, I think you made a really good point about sometimes diversity in a situation in an industry where you are trying to stand out is good because you automatically already stand out because of who you are. And so then if you devote even the smallest amount of time to your personal brand and to your marketing, then you are already you already have the opportunity to be more successful than 90% of the people in the industry because you stand out for one reason. And then you go ahead and you do something a little bit differently than everybody else is doing it. And so you have a real opportunity. And so I I would encourage many women and people of color that this is the industry where you can not only make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives, but you can learn valuable things that you will use in your own life forever. And you can stand out and really use your... You know, use yourself as an advantage and market that. I, every, I've every i said this on the podcast before. Everything changed when I stopped worrying about what my business looked like and what my website looked like and that it fit into this industry. And I started saying, no, um, my business is me, so I'm going to market me and I'm going to market it to my personality. And all of a sudden, I started standing out and people started – coming to me and talking to me and trusting me because I was putting my personality out there for everybody to see. And it was very different than what most of the industry is doing. Most of the industry is very focused on the the finance part of it and not on the like self part of it, so. Yeah,
1: that's good group. So Ellen, um, when you were an advisor early in your career, did you have a, was there a moment that was like an aha moment that were like, ah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in life?
3: Well, uh, I I was going with you till you said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in life. At that time, (laughs) at (laughs) that that time. (laughs) Yeah, because I did have that when I decided it's time to sell because I knew I was supposed to be doing some other things. The transition part or that aha moment came some of the first we'll call it 10 years of my practice I was like an average producer it's fine enough to keep my business going Um, and then there was a recession and I just switched and said oh my god people need me more than ever now people are freaked out about their money I totally can be of service to them and I stopped worrying about the market was going down so my revenue was going down I was like what can I do? How can I be of service? And that year, um, the market was down 17%. My business grew 39%. And did I do some other things? Yes. And I think the pivotal thing was switching where I put my attention. And that became a big part of, I still teach to this, that here, I don't know how many people are listening versus watching, but the generosity precedes prosperity. And Um, Once I looked at how I could truly serve people and how I could ease their suffering around money, everything changed.
1: That's beautiful.
3: I love that. Yeah. And then it made it more meaningful for me because it wasn't just a job. It wasn't like, oh, I wish I was speaking or writing or all the stuff that I wasn't doing. It was like, I could get behind this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that, and I had I had to write that down because I'm I'm going to sit and have to write something about that because that's absolutely beautiful, um, and I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, I'm looking at Garland, and he looks like he's in a coffee shop or somewhere, sitting on mute. Um, uh, oh, are you are you partying during the day? Am I doing what? <laughs> so I hear music. Are you having a party? And hey, you didn't invite us. I'm, Greer knows where I am. I'm in Brew. Okay.
2: <laughs> it looks like brew.
0: <laughs> it's brew. So hang on. Let's do this. There you go. Lovely ladies. Oh, of brew. Can I have
3: hey, an guys. oat milk latte, please?
0: <laughs> it's a latte with. <laughs> so, um, Ellen, I apologize because uh, my partner, Ed Dudley, failed to tell us that uh, we were did doing this at 30. So did he just
1: throw over. me under the bus, under the bus and, and backed bus. it up? Oh, back oh, to wow. the beep,
0: beep, beep. Normally, this is me in my office, and so there's three of us already to work already for you. Instead, it was me in my car trying to figure out how to make the audio work. Um, so, I just stopped in to say, out of respect, thank you for joining our podcast. I'm not going to be able to stay on very long. I, I caught, I think, what was the tail end of a very intense conversation. I know that because Greer was telling us about her story, and that's always how I know it's intense. <laughs> Greer and I spent what two hours t- together this morning? Having an intense oh, conversation God. about a whole lot of things.
2: It was so, a very forgive it, was, me. it was a good conversation. Yeah, it was
0: illuminating. It was illuminating. Um yeah. forgive me, so I'm 25 minutes late. This interaction, I'm gonna hop off here and probably another three or four minutes. But Ellen, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Oh, um so I miss nice the to be here.
3: Nice to see I miss you. The
0: entree. Um and hopefully <laughs> I'll have a chance to catch up with you again. Where are you located physically?
3: North of Chicago.
0: Oh goodness gracious! Okay, so I'll see you like in May. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Illinois. It's, it's, it's and chilly, where. but it's sunny here today, so that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: so, go ahead, Gardner, you Got a question for her before you hop off?
3: I don't. I'm gonna listen in so I can catch up. Okay. With you. All
1: right. Well, great. So, so Ellen, you you, you go 20 years and a successful career. You know that that last half. You, top producer, top performer, you're at the top of your game where every financial advisor wants to be at the top of their top of the game, top producer, going to the conferences, getting invited, all these different places. And then you have an epiphany. Something happened that made you want to change. Yeah. You feel like can you can you share what happened?
3: Uh, yeah, I and it was probably it wasn't like actually one moment in time I've yeah. been thinking When I was I was looking back at um, I found this document. Yes, last this week I'm working on my goals for uh, next year. I'm doing some teaching to advisors about working on their goals, and I found this thing I've been looking for for the longest time. About I had written a hundred year. You know how sometimes people say, "Oh, write your own um, eulogy." I'm like, "Oh, Mm. that's a bummer." I'm going to write a hundred year birthday speech. That at the time when I wrote this, which was 2013, our daughter wasn't talking to adults that much now she's like does that a lot but so i had my son delivering the 100 year birthday speech and and a lot of the stuff we're talking about was actually in there it was like gosh remember when mom was so intro- in, um influential in bringing more women into the industry and how there were so few there was only five percent of women which maybe it got a little better than that i think it's 10 or 12 depend or some of the broker dealers it's more but um and uh And that I had, even that 10 years that I was no longer in the business. So I knew I was wanting to transition. I um, had just come back from Ghana, where I'm actually going again in January. We've been involved in a scholarship fund there. And I got to speak with, in front of like 2,000 high school kids, which is so not my market. Like if someone told me I could speak in front of 2,000 kids here, I'd say no way, because I'd be afraid they'd be staring at their phones the whole time, but they're very respectful there. Um, and it just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. It's not the work that I want to do now. Um, and then I started to seriously look for a transition for my, for my clients. And knowing that I, my work is to help people have a better relationship with their money. Uh, and that can come from, you know, the, a lot of how they think about money, I became aware right near, right before I sold my practice, how incredibly, incredibly intuitive. I'm very intuitive with people's money stuff, and part of my writing process and work now is that I actually do financial intuitive readings for people. Like I can tap into the conversation with money and deliver that to people. Not a traditional financial advisor way of doing. You're like Ed. Like, what is she even talking about? I'm seeing the squinting eyes.
2: Yes, I'm intrigued.
1: <laughs> Tell me
2: more. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I can share uh, kind of the genesis story for this if it's helpful. And I'm yes. I'm not gonna. Uh, th- okay, I was gonna say I'm not gonna swear during this, which I'm not. I'll use like a. Okay. So I was at a um, conference, and they were we were doing some like tapping into your intuition, seeing if you could tap into the, and I was partnered with this guy who I barely knew. And the theme for this one partnering was money. And we were supposed to, he was supposed to think of an issue. I was standing behind him with my hands on his shoulders. He turned around. I was supposed to deliver a message. And all of a sudden stuff came out of my mouth. That was not my words. And I know they weren't my words because the first thing I said is F you, but I didn't say F I said the word you, you think there's something that's spiritual about having money or having me in your life. That's what it was having me in your life. And I just don't even want to be around you. And he stopped and he said, Ellen, and he pulls out from his shirt. He goes, this is the patron saint, somebody of poverty. And one of my clients gave this to me and he took off his necklace. And then I stood behind him and walked next to him and said, I'm like, now I want to hang out with you. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? I was kind of using words that was if money could talk to this guy. And so then I was like, okay, that was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not sure what it was. And I just started playing with it. Um, And now my process is that I journal on people's behalf with money. And I get messages from them that tend to be really helpful in clearing for them. I saw this guy three years later, asked if I could share his stories. Like, oh, Ellen, you have no idea what happened to me since then. Like my whole business changed. I don't know how that happened, but somehow there's transformation that happens. So when I was an advisor, I used to always say, oh, like, I know if someone's going to be okay without even having to run numbers for them. Of course, I'm a CFP. Of course, I ran the numbers, but it was more to justify like my knowing of what they needed. And so now Um, You know, I use that tapping into it in my writing. My Picture Your Prosperity got written that way. I just didn't realize that's what I was doing was kind of downloading messages that are helpful for people. I do that with my speaking now. And so, yeah, so I like to balance the really practical, tactical things with the fact that there is this relationship that we all have to money. And it's not always functional for people.
2: So somebody called TLC. We have a money medium here. I mean, let's go. Netflix. We need Netflix over here. I think that that is a very interesting story and, and just kind of something that I don't understand. So it intrigues me even more because I'm one of those people that's like, uh, you know, like, I know that there are experiences that people have out there that I will never experience and I will never understand, but I still love hearing about them. And uh, and those are the kinds of things, those are the kinds of stories I w- love to hear. So
3: and where I can cool. say, I don't always understand it either. Like I've yeah. talked to people a year or two after I've done a consultation with them and they're like, hey, I am not worrying about money anymore. Or I had these inflows. I don't know how that's happening. I don't understand it. And I think that we all have the ability when we get quiet to tap into our inner intuition, or our inner knowing, whatever you think that is, I mean, I'm calling, it could be just a metaphor for people. If you think this sounds like goofy and weird, cool. That's okay. It doesn't have to be for you. And could you make that a metaphor that just like we have a personal relationship with people, you have a relationship with your money, and maybe you could look at making that a little bit better. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I understand it either. All right. <laughs>
1: I'm just thinking of the gentleman when you basically had your outer body experience. (laughs) When you got back into your quiet time um, after that, what were you thinking? How were you feeling?
3: Well, I knew that it wasn't me because I swear, but not at people I don't know. (laughs) And sometimes like I'll write stuff and it doesn't sound like words I would ever use. I was intrigued. I was like, that was cool. Like, I would love to know how to do more of this. So that's kind of how I was feeling. I was intrigued. Interesting. It's very interesting. uh, But here's what I would say is, in terms of talking to advisors, I, I try to always listen to my intuition. Like, who should I be in touch with today? Who should I, and the times when things didn't work out was when I wasn't listening. Like I'd have the feeling like, that's weird. And then I wouldn't follow through on it. I'm like, that's weird. Why would that happen? And then would just like ignore that. And I think we all have that.
1: That's, uh, yeah, I, I, you're going to have me following you a lot more intently now.
3: Because
1: um, <laughs> <Well. laughs> um, you've really, like Greer said, so you intrigued me. Um, I have a question um, Are you still doing your podcast, The Extraordinary Advisor Show?
3: Yeah, yes. And just not lately. <laughs> I just got busy with other things. Yeah, I'm starting again after the first of the year. And that's really for, you know, advisors to help them, I like to say, grow in every part of your life, especially your business. So um, I tend not to, if you this wouldn't be a shock from the conversation we're having now, talk about technical things. So I'm not going to talk about social security strategies or asset allocation strategies. But I might talk about, I have had people on about how do you write your book or how do you... Um, How do you have conversations with people who are grieving or, you know, all different kind of related to the industry things that um, might not get talked about as much?
1: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that's through horse mouth.
3: Horse's mouth.
1: Horse's mouth. I remember it's been a while since I've actually looked looked them up. Um, That's that's actually cool. So you financial advisor, um, money whisperer um intuition um money intuition person um you you got your hands in a lot of stuff um what's most fulfilling for you these days
3: um anytime i can speak in front of groups i love it whether i'm doing like well like this like a podcast or i've been running some classes for people on being more extraordinary in their in their businesses um and now in the last i don't know six months getting on actual stages in front of people in real life which has been fun. Cause I always say like, then I can hear them laughing at my jokes versus <laughs> pretending that they're laughing at my jokes. So yeah. I'm, that is, that's when I'm my happiest is I, I, I joke. I have, I do not have a good singing voice. I have no musical ability and this is my way of getting up on stage. My next life I'll come back is like someone who likes to stay up late and can play the guitar and sing. <laughs> none of those things are in, are, are happening to me right now.
1: So speaking of, you know, you're standing on stage and I'm um, sharing, you were the keynote speaker at the um, Investment News Women to Watch. Um, can you share a little bit about what you shared with the um, the women yeah, there?
3: Yeah, it was all about um, how to communicate so people will hear your good advice. And uh, I think, you know, one of the, like the overview I put on this is that most conferences, this wasn't the case at Investment News, but at most conferences that I go to, Most of the conversation is around practice management. So the craft of being a good advisor, which of course is important. So it's technical skills, systems, even marketing systems. A little bit more is being talked about with relationship management and not much at all is on self-management. This is how you bring your best self. But I think I learned very early in my career that I, I graduated with honors from college and business school. I went to a top 10 business school. I had lots of letters after my name. And not that none of that mattered. Of course it mattered. But it didn't have a direct relationship to how successful I was in my practice. And I saw people who weren't as smart as me, weren't as credentialed as me doing much better financially. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. That whole thing I was brought up with, like, do well in school and work hard. You'll be successful. Mm -hmm. Not that that doesn't matter. But it gets you to a certain point. But getting to the next point was nothing about that. It was about me breaking through and doing my best work and career, like you were saying earlier, like being me and being okay with that. And that's been like a whole big process throughout my life. But so that's what I those are the things I like to talk about. And so even though in general, I'm gonna have a, a sexist comment here, I think women tend to be better than men at communication.
1: Okay, so let me chime in real quick. I've said this on this podcast numerous times, that's why Garland's laughing. I said, for my days of wholesaling, women are the best financial advisors.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's fact. It's not even close. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. It, um, and
3: I, I think that all of us can just be better at communicating, mm-hmm. better at being really present with people, better at getting our um, them to follow your good advice. I mean, there's yeah, there's schmoes out there, but most advisors, at least the ones I know, have their clients' best interest at heart. And if they don't listen to what you're telling them or don't follow it, you're not doing your best job. So that's what I was. That's what I was talking about at that conference. Yeah,
1: love it. Beautiful. Great. You got a go. Con- Question: comment?
2: Um, So I guess I just would like to hear a little bit of clarification on your current business, who you serve and how, um, and what it's called and all that. I, I, because I feel like this conversation that we're having right now might interest a lot of people and I want them to know how they can find you and if you are a person that can help them.
3: Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so I have a few main a few parts of my business. I do speaking, um, love to do that, getting on stages, and a lot of it is in the financial services industry. I run courses uh, like I just finished one called Creating Prosperity on Purpose that most of my audience are financial advisors, but that brought other people in and that's for people that, want to work on some of the things that we've talked about, like making themselves the best they can to draw in the right kind of business to them. I have a handful of clients that I work with one-on-one advisors to help them grow their practices. So if they're looking for technical things, I'm not their person, but if they're looking through to break through to the next level and these kind of conversations are helpful, I might be their person. And I do um, what I call messages from money, which are one-on-one intuitive financial readings for people.
1: Okay. So I I have to know a little bit more about that last piece. Messaging for money? Messages for for money. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share a little more about that?
3: Yeah. So it goes with that intuitive conversation we've had. I'll have people who hire, you know, we work together for an hour and I get information from them ahead of time. Prior to that, I'll spend an hour or two Talking with money on their behalf, so I do that through journaling, and I come up with a couple pages of notes, and then during our meeting together, we talk through ways that they can either enhance their businesses, break through money limits. It's been it depends on who I have clients all over the world, but it depends on what's up for them. Some are very practical, so there are people that maybe would never like entertain this before, and so. Uh, Like I had a guy from Australia who I worked with who was like, Ellen, I think I might have some feeling guilty about making as much money as I have, as I am. And when I started to get messages from him, I'm like, that actually isn't what your limit is. Your limit is you don't, you're not playing big enough in the world. You should have a global audience. These are things you could do. And that was kind of part of the conversation that we had. Um, I worked with someone this week who had just some limiting views on money that were hanging around her and her business. And for her, we ended up doing like a meditation during it to clear away stuff. So it's very, it depends on who I'm working with, but, um, I've had just, I don't know, people tell me that it's been super helpful and clarifying and always inspiring. I was doing a session for a friend of mine and she's like, I was so scared coming into this. I was afraid you were going to tell me I'm never going to have money in my life and that I'm going to be a failure. I'm like, I would never tell you that. And I've never sworn at anyone since that first guy. Like, like it's never in someone's face because it's, I think that in general, the conversation, even with advisors that have with their clients, I'm tired of people making people feel crappy about the way they are with money. And I think the industry tends to make people not, in general, like you're not doing enough. It's scary. It's hard. And you know what? And it's also, there's opportunities and ways for generosity and ways you can feel better. And there's always something someone's really good at, even if some of the things that are traditional, they're not good at.
0: beautiful. Literally having that conversation this morning, Greer. Uh,
2: Yeah, I was just thinking like Garland and I were having this conversation that a lot of the I'm connected to a lot of financial advisors on LinkedIn, and I see a lot of their marketing, and I believe that a lot of the male financial advisors are marketing to themselves, basically, because that's (laughs) what they know how to do. And so when they say things like, hey, stop buying those $5 lattes and instead go invest it in this, like you're alienating a large part of the population, mainly women, When you say stuff like, hey, don't go spend that $5 on something that makes you happy and gives you joy in the moment. Instead, like, invest it in your future. Like, think about your future instead of about what makes you happy right now. And that kind of marketing, like, is so icky to me, but they don't see it. And so, yeah, it's it's just interesting that you brought that up because it, it brings up a lot of things that I think are are interesting about this industry and about the way that people market in it and and why it's sometimes it's nice to be a woman and to have different opinions and to be able to express them in a way that, you know, make people see things a little bit differently and from a different angle.
0: Yeah, something worse than having someone will wag their finger at you and scold you about your habits and practices and things you believe in and telling you that you're flat wrong. And we've well, made they don't the able industry it all. do that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's insulting. And all we do is continue to do that every yeah, single the other, day. We have not grown there.
3: I also see in the women's market and still I see that it's better than it was, but not like, well, you know, women don't make as much money as men and you're out of the workforce longer and your social security is less and like, like terrify them even more yeah Like it doesn't make any sense and in our book picture of prosperity my co-author lisa king was like yeah that's like telling someone in tennis like well you know you're not your backhand sucks and you're really not very strong like if you were coaching someone you 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 would have them grow those things they're good at and yes if there's areas they can work on um but i that finger it just is never it's never helpful
1: So, Ellen, you love speaking, public speaking. You went to Ghana and spoke to a lot of young ladies and young, young, young people. So now you're standing on the global stage um, and you got a message that you're sharing about being in the financial industry. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to those young people to say, look at the financial industry as a possible career?
3: Yeah. I would reframe maybe how they're looking at it. Uh, Okay. Here's a mentor story. When I worked at that brokerage firm during the summers, the guy who um, my friend's dad, who was there, I said, oh, I don't want to be a broker because there wasn't financial advisors or I didn't know what they were then. And he said, why? And I said, because you have to sell too much and I don't want to sell. And he's like, I don't sell. I help people. I was like, oh, and i never forgot that and he was a mentor to me you know my entire career and that this profession the financial advisory profession is such a helping profession you change people's lives in this you help people reach their goals you reduce their fear Uh, we were talking about how not to do that but most advisors you know their clients are grateful for their support in their lives they take this area that is become very stressful and scary for them and makes it accessible and that people can have peace around their money so i'd say jump in and there's opportunities a lot of advisors are really old they're going to be looking <laughs> to sell their businesses like this is a perfect time to get in whether you're a career changer or a young person coming in like you're going to be needed in this industry for sure yeah yeah
1: great. beautiful greer
2: Um, my closing thought was that when you were talking about the last service that you offer your money messages, um, do you ever advertise those as gifts that you can give other people? Because I, you know, I feel like it's, we're approaching the holiday season Mm -hmm. and that sounds like really something very intriguing that I would be interested in for myself because, uh, admittedly, I've been in this industry for 15 years, but I still have a very like, not great and sometimes toxic relationship with my money because of the way that I was raised and the uh, the path that I had in this industry. And so like, something like that super interests me. And I would love to have one of those conversations, but also I can think of a lot of people that are in that same boat that might not necessarily reach out and do something like that for themselves, but if it's given to them by somebody that really cares about them and it's just this free thing where they can go and they can explore this conversation with a professional that they like and trust, um, that'd be a great, great gift.
3: Yeah, thanks, Square. Yes, I do say that at the bottom of all my newsletters and, and people have done that for people and I think I'll hire you as my marketing person. Thank you.
2: Darling, <laughs> you hear that?
3: <laughs> hey, also exactly part of our conversation this morning.
2: <laughs> more ideas.
1: She's tapping into her gift. <laughs> so she wasn't even in you guys' conversation. So she's tapping into the gift that's being downloaded it's, it's to her. Weird, so but you said that's you a whole nother conversation.
0: Things. You said several things that Greer and I definitely touched on this morning. I mean like four or five of them. It's a little scary to me actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I have a question. That's, that's a little bit more elementary. Um, Ghana, mm-hmm. go. <laughs> I want to hear all about Ghana, all about your experiences there. You're going back. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, we started years ago with a group called Global Volunteers, which does volunteer vacations all over the world. And it was when our daughter, uh, we're Jewish and it was right before her bat mitzvah and we wanted to do a service trip. And I said, where do you want to go? And she said, Africa. I was like, oh, okay. She's 12 or 11. And um, we got involved back then, you used to have to pay for high school, and so we were in this beautiful rural area, and the kids, these brilliant kids, couldn't get past, uh, like, seventh grade or eighth grade because their families couldn't afford for them to go to high school. Now, the government pays for high school, so I got involved with this group called the Ghana Scholarship Fund, which is teeny tiny little NGO. And we've had, I think, 159 kids go through high school, and I think these numbers aren't exactly right, but something like 49 kids go to university, maybe it's more than that. And now we're um, working in a, um, the library that was built by another volunteer to help uh, with computer skills and educate kids and adults in the area, so I haven't been back since pre, pre, pre-pandemic. And um, it's beautiful because we've seen some of these kids who've been all through the scholarship fund now coming back and working in the community. They're so fun and so brilliant. And yeah, so that's why I'm going back. Our kids have been that's there a awesome. couple several times. My husband as well. My girlfriends. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: And thank you for that work that you're doing because, um, you know, that's not a part of this world we ever really get to talk about anything positive, like always something negative coming out of that region of the world, so the fact that you're there doing, um, you know, good works and spreading um, your philanthropic off uh, efforts there is, is re- pretty remarkable
1: to me. Thank you. Yeah, that's, 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 that's beautiful. Um, I, I was on your site, and I'm, I'm a little curious, um, before we get ready to wrap up, you you have a prosperity practice suggestion. And you suggested people donating to the charity or you know cause that's important to them. But you said thinking in multiples of eighteen.
3: Oh.
1: <laughs> I've never heard that before.
2: Yeah.
1: See, eighteen is a favorite number of me because that's birth date. Oh. But I'd love good. to I'd love to know why you say eight in multiples yeah. of eighteen. So
3: I am uh, Jewish and in in Judaism, eighteen relates to um, high which is life and jewish people tend to give gifts in multiples of 18 if it's a financial gift so uh like for a barbat mitzvah wedding you'll do them in multiples of 18 so it just feels like it's got good energy for me so all my all my pricing now are weird numbers for everything i do (laughs) because and they're all multiples of 18 so that's why i'll send you a link ad where uh because people ask me Um, you know, after we do a message for money, I'll say like, oh, I would suggest you make a charitable contribution. And often people say, why 18? And so I'll send you the link that goes into a little more detail. Well,
1: well, thank you. This has been very informative. I thank you for affording us some of your time to just share your journey, where you've been, um, and and really where you're at at right now, because I think that's absolutely so intriguing. Mm. Um, And I think, that your career, though, and um, fi- as a financial advisor, helps set you up for your calling, where you are right now. Because um, I, I, I watched your face and body language when you talked about being a financial advisor and then i watched when you started talking about what you do right now you sat up you leaned into the camera and you had a big old smile on your face so you're you're, you're walking in purpose it's an beautiful yeah, thing when you can actually start you. to walk in purpose so do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share with our audience um i would love for you to let them know how they can find you um and and, and any closing thoughts that you might have
3: yeah so um well i just love the work you guys are doing with this, that you have the, the purpose of having your show and wanting to uh, help the industry serve more people by being more diverse and supporting people that um, aren't showing up as much as they should be in the industry. I want to applaud you guys for that. And you guys are walking this idea of generosity precedes prosperity. We haven't talked about directly, but just so I know what well, we did before we got on the show at about why you've been um, busy with other things, which are some of the nonprofit stuff that you do. And the fact that there's just such a service message here. So I um, am applauding you for that. Um, uh, Yeah. So uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Ellen Rogan. You can go to ellenrogan.com. And um, yeah, I can give you later. It's, I don't want to give the wrong link, but there are some I have some video downloads that might be helpful for some of the advisors listening. So I'll give you that link as well. And um, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, there's, I think, seven videos I have up and some other resources that for free that, that might be helpful for the listeners here.
1: We'll be sure to share share those links when we post this, um, this content. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Uh, you're a trailblazer for women in the industry. That's why women and and, and firms and in industry are calling on you uh, because of the wealth of knowledge that you bring. This has been another journey, the financial advisor experience on behalf of my man, my bald head brother Garland. I wish I had hair that looked like Ellen and Greer's right now. I think that would look <laughs> kind of good on me right now. <laughs> especially as right it now. especially as it gets cold. Uh, but thank you everyone who's tuned in. Be sure to like comment and share our content we appreciate you everyone take care wish you all the best
2: thank you so much ellen
1: thanks